basically I had this plan to apply for a big research grant and I was working with a guy up at SFU, uh, one of my mentors from there who was interested in drug use, Neil Boyd. Uh, and he had published a lot in this area and I had, like I said, I had worked with him for a little while. I worked with him on the supervised injection site research. Uh, which we also need yeah, to talk about. Yeah, we can talk about that later. Uh, and so, uh, I just said, Hey, do you want to, I mean, with, you know, this was before cannabis legalization actually happened. What I noticed was in the downtown area, there were all these dispensaries popping up everywhere. And it was like, you could go in and you could just buy marijuana. And as a criminologist, I was like, well, that's interesting. This is against the law, but we have all these stores selling it. And some of them have like a, a doctor that you can talk to or like a guy online who says he's a doctor. <laughs> and they'll be like, well, what's your problem? Well, I have back pain. Well, marijuana. <laughs> you need to smoke. Come on. <laughs> like, or do some edibles, something. You need some THC flowing through your veins. I just thought it was really interesting because the cops or the police just didn't seem to care. You know, I think what had happened, I kind of knew what had happened. They had just given up because it was like, this is a pointless activity. We're never going to control this. So they just kind of let them operate and they'd bust them periodically. But I just thought that was really interesting that they had been like, okay, we're done. I'm not going to deal with this problem anymore. Uh, it's not, there is no solution. So we'll just uh, quit. Uh, I think they made the right call because uh, that kind of, you know, that creates a situation where now you've criminalized something that you have a law that's no longer being enforced. And that's not a good, it's not a good thing. You know, it starts to erode other laws. Yeah, it starts to break down the way people look at criminal justice as an institution, right? Which I feel like has really disappeared. Like our attitude towards, it felt like it was so thick and so visceral before it was legalized that people were yep. like, let's just do this. And then it was done. And I feel like we've not talked about it since. Like mm -hmm. Trudeau has not gotten, like I'm not a huge fan of the guy, but yep. he has not gotten that credit yep. at all that he did that. And that our societies are just gone back to normal. Like there were petitions going around. There oh, were, I know. There there's still. Yeah. Oh, there's still stuff happening. I mean, there's still a huge anti-legalization uh, movement even now, and they want to undo it. They, I mean, there's a, a whole variety of people out there who are uh, coming up with interesting things that happen when you smoke marijuana that people should be skeptical about. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Uh, Trudeau hasn't gotten the credit. Part of the problem with the way he did things was, you know, I, th I think maybe at this point, cannabis legalization in Canada, it's a good thing. Uh, but they have not, they've made some mistakes in the approach that they took, especially in, you know, with regards to a place like this in BC, where you have this heavily developed marijuana subculture already existing. And then you try to take all of those people, you know, you try to create a whole new legal market without involving the people who are in into it before and there's probably some good reasons for that you know some of them were some of them are associating with organized crime and involved in other forms of crime which is a problem but i you know i think there's a lot of people out there who were smaller growers who have a lot of expertise and this is based on the research that i did initially and i'm also doing uh, i was on sabbatical for the last year or so uh I was doing a follow-up study that I'm almost, I'm just finishing up, actually. I was just working on the conclusion yesterday. Uh, but, uh, you know, they've, they've really not used the expertise that we have in BC effectively. Instead, they brought in a lot of larger companies, a lot of people with a lot of degrees, but people with less experience on the ground uh, uh, about marijuana, you know, that haven't been around users a lot. 
haven't talked to people who are working in the industry before. And so they made all these mistakes. You know, one of the ones that I thought was interesting, and this is, again, something that's, it's not me making this up. This is something an expert uh, in on marijuana told me. Uh, you know, they sell they sell a lot of it in those little uh, plastic jar things, right? Plastic containers. Well, there's a million problems with doing it that way. Uh, first, the the plastic containers uh, have microscopic jagged bumps and edges on them. And so when the marijuana is being transported, it, you know, it's not packed in there fully. There's usually space. So it's bouncing around all over the place. So it's wiping off all of the chemicals and degrading the product before it even gets to market. Uh, there's a reason why people in the industry before used glass jars or plastic bags because they don't do the same thing. And so, you know, it was a lot of stuff like that that they they were, I think they were a little arrogant. I guess I'll just say it. You know, they, they thought, oh, well, these idiots who were doing this before don't know what they're talking about. We know better. We'll, you know, get some get some scientists and some people who have a lot of money in here and we'll do it better. And I mean, do you know how much marijuana, uh, BC sold, uh, on the legal market? I think it was way below their, hope, <laughs> yeah. their estimates. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, what was it? Uh, I forget where the statistic is from. I think it was from just this last year, but it was before COVID started. So the, they had a budget come out where they yep. were hoping that they would have. And I think it was like something huge. like 20 or 20% of, yeah. 30% or something like that. Yeah, a huge shortfall. I mean, we, if you rank all of the provinces and how much they sold, uh, number one by far was Alberta. I think Ontario was up there. Quebec might have been up there. BC was like second to last. And who are they behind? Like Prince Edward Island or something like that. And this was just reporting how much marijuana had been sold. It wasn't controlling for population or anything like that. So we aren't even, I mean, I remember looking up these stats. I think it was Prince Edward Island was dead last. I mean, their population is like a fraction of what BC's is. And they're selling, you know, they're almost selling as much as we are. Yeah. And we know that people didn't quit smoking after legalization took hold, right? Yeah. So there's still people in the black market. And that was one of the promises that were made that we're going to try to get rid of the black market and get organized crime out of this. But I, you know, based on what I've been finding, I think they might have strengthened the black market because now you've created this situation where you always have to go back to rational choice theory, right? Consumers of marijuana are rational actors and they're going to do what is rational for the most part. So are you going to, like, you aren't going to go to a legal marijuana store and buy stuff that's not as good and that costs more. And, you know, you're not going to pick that over the black market. If you can get it cheaper on the black market, it's more convenient. I mean, they don't even have stores up in a lot of places yet. I mean, Chilliwack's been, you guys have quite a few, I think, two or three. F five or six. Oh, five now. or six. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, I got to keep. We just, we just had a bunch open. Oh, so did you? Okay, yeah. yeah. And so Chilliwack's been, you know, I, you know, Chilliwack's been doing well with that because, you, you know, if you're going to make this legal, you can't restrict access. You can't do that. Mission doesn't have one. Abbotsford doesn't have one. So where are all those people getting it? Do you think they're all going to drive to Maple Ridge or Chilliwack to go to the legal marijuana store and buy their... No, they're not doing that. They're not going to. And there's a lot of different problems uh, that cause this. I mean, it's it gets pretty complicated. Uh, you know, you like even if you do open more stores, you don't have the product. Uh, you just don't have the products to sell because uh, they aren't as high quality. Uh, they're a bit inferior uh, 
they do other they irradiate they put it through a process of irradiation uh which we don't know there's some debate around what that does to the product a lot of people think it it does affect the way uh the way uh taste and the way the high hits you and everything like that so uh there's been some mistakes made and so i guess what i did with the research was initially i was just looking at abbotsford and it was very kind of exploratory and it was really based on like this previous study that i was doing uh, i had applied for a research grant through a really prestigious uh, it's called shirk uh, social sciences and humanities research council and they give they award a lot of money every year to do research and so we put in this proposal they rejected it. They didn't think it was a great idea. And it was almost like dead in the water. And then the, the research office at UFV called and they said, you know, we saw you put this this proposal in. Would you come talk to us about it? And I was like, okay. And I kind of thought I was in trouble. And then uh, I sat down with them. There was like, well, why didn't you run this through UFV? And I said, well, because I was not principal investigator on the study and I was working with this other guy and SF. They told me it would just be more complicated, you know, to do it at both schools. They said, oh, well, we're, you know, we would have liked to know about it. We could have maybe given you some feedback. But they're like, do you, would you want to do something like this? Because this looks really interesting. And I was like, well, yeah, I'd like to, but I don't have any funding. And it appears I won't be able to get any. They're like, no, we'll give you a little funding so you can have a little bit of money to have some students work for you. And you can have, you know, some reports made up. So I ended up interviewing 20 people from Abbotsford, various stakeholders, uh, uh, like business people and residents and uh, service provider types uh, and also uh, dispensary people who worked in like dispensaries or who owned dispensaries. And so it was really interesting research. I was going into legalization thinking this was going to be a piece of cake. You know, I was looking at what happened in Washington and Colorado and they seemed to do a pretty good job with it. And I was like, no, it's going to go great. And like, I got, I was getting this feedback from some of the participants, especially the ones who were involved with the industry. And they were saying, this is going to be a disaster. You don't understand. And I was like, what are you talking about? How, like it's money. People want to make money. It's not going to be a disaster. <laughs> They're going to be motivated. And they were telling me this stuff early on. I almost, I hate to say it. I almost didn't listen to my participants. I was like really hesitant to include any of that in the original report because I thought I was going to, I thought it was going to kind of make me look stupid. But then I was like, no, you're a researcher. You can't just, you know, assume you know better than the people you're do. you know, you've asked to help you with, you know, be participants and stuff. So I, I wrote it all out as they said it, you know, did what I was supposed to do. And, uh, it ended up, I mean, it ended up being kind of prophetic. Like they, they really knew what they were talking about and, uh, everything they said happened, ha what happened, happened. Uh, it's not been very successful. I mean, it is a slow process. I will, you know, you got to give it a couple of years to, for it to be successful, but at the moment they really need to change some of the regulations in my view, or it's not even my view. That's according to what I know based on the research I've done. And so I did talk to these 20 people from Abbotsford, uh, did, you know, fairly in-depth interviews about what they expected to happen, uh, ended up writing a report about that, and now I'm currently working uh, on another report as kind of follow-up a year after legalization to see what they think of what's happened, what the problems are. And this time I really, for various reasons, I focused, you know, I focused on people who have experience with marijuana. Uh, it could be that they're users, it could be that they work in the industry, it could be that they work with drug-using populations. I talked to some, you know, people who do social work type stuff, 
uh, people who work in drug education. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it, it was tough to do because of COVID cause I got completely interrupted in the middle of it. I had 15 interviews and then COVID shut everything down. It was hard to even get anything after that, but I ended up with 21 for the second study. And so I'm just writing that up now. <laughs>